Angela uh, normally comes with me, uh, keeps an eye on me. On the way home in the car, she can tell me what I should have said. Uh, she's not here and what I shouldn't have said, which is uh, an even longer conversation. Um, she's not here this morning. She's, uh, uh, she's making uh, dinner for her mum and dad. Of course, who are coming over today because it's Mother's Day. Uh, she has many talents, not only um, cooking. She's the decorator in our house. Uh, I don't know a deal about decorating, but I do know you're not supposed to do the glossing at night. And I think the theory behind that is that you will stay up at night and you'll do your glossing and you'll think it all looks lovely. And then the next morning when you wake up and you look at it in the daylight, there are drips and streaks, maybe the odd cat hair. But it's the daylight that shows you what things are really like. And right there is the problem. Because Christ is our daylight. And if you were to follow Jesus of Nazareth, you would spend your life in the daylight. And you would spend your life being made aware of the drips and the streaks and the blotches and the shortcomings. You would find yourself being concerned about things that other people are not even aware of, that you would feel guilty and disappointed at your own shortcomings in areas of life about which other people seem to have no concern whatsoever. You would find yourself constantly being made aware that you are not what you should be. And if you were to choose to follow Jesus of Nazareth, you would spend the rest of your life on your knees asking God to change you. You may think, maybe he's exaggerating a bit. Well, let's have a look. Let's see how you stay in the game. Jesus of Nazareth was once speaking to a large group of people. He was actually speaking to his closest followers, but he used it as an opportunity to speak to thousands of people. And he said this to them. He said, if you for one moment look at another person to whom you're not married and you consider what it is like to have sex with that person or what it would be like to have sex with that person, you are no better than the most sordid, two-faced adulterer. He said, if for one moment in your life somebody does something wrong and you consider for one second getting your revenge, getting even with that person, then you are no better than the most twisted, psychotic murderer. He said, if you do a good thing for another person and for one second it crosses your mind that the doing of that good deed will raise your profile amongst other people, will make other people think well of you, then that good deed is worthless. It is the most awful, terrible, dreadful, 
disappointing, heartbreaking thing that a human being can do to try to follow Jesus of Nazareth. So why would you do that? Why would you deliberately embrace a life of hardship and suffering and sacrifice that makes no sense to those who don't follow Jesus? (laughs) That often makes no sense to you when you do. Well, I want to give you one reason why you might consider doing that. And it's very simple. Because it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to follow Jesus of Nazareth. It is the right thing to do for two reasons. Firstly, it is the right thing to do because he is your creator. The Lord Jesus gave his best friend the responsibility of writing down some of the most important things about him. And one of the things that his friend John wrote about him was there is nothing in the entire cosmos from the greatest supernova to the smallest subparticle of an atom that wasn't created by him. And that includes you. You are his creation. You belong to him. But you are his creation in a unique way. You two really rock. Worship today was great. I felt I could really just tell the Lord what I felt of him. It's fantastic. Thank you. Where are those songs that we were singing? Where are they now? Are they, are they written on some sheet music? Are they stored in a computer somewhere? But that is not a song. That is just dots on a piece of paper. A song is a song when it is being sung. That's when it becomes a song. And you become you because God is singing you into existence moment by moment. He sings you to life each day because he has chosen to create you in a unique way. He has chosen you to be the truth about him. And he sings you into existence each moment of the day. And that is why you belong to him and that is why you should follow him. But not only do you belong to him because he created you, you also belong to him because he bought you. Here's a story. There was a boy who loved his granddad. And every Sunday he used to go to his grandma and granddad's house. His granddad had a shed. Ah, he had a shed. There was everything you could imagine and things you couldn't imagine in this shed. His granddad even had a packet of chocolate biscuits there that he thought grandma didn't know about. And every afternoon after they had the dinner, the granddad and the grandson, they used to go into the shed and they used to do all kinds of projects with wood and nails and tools and dangerous stuff. And they used to love it. And one day the granddad said, I've got a project. We're going to make a boat. We're going to make a sailing boat. 
And they took a piece of wood, and the granddaddy was so skilled, he crafted this of wood. He crafted a beautiful, and they added a keel, and they drilled holes in the tops, and they inserted a proper mast. Then they had to let grandma in on the secret, because they said grandma can make some sails. And she made some sails out of some old shower curtains. And finally, when the boat was ready, they painted it a beautiful dark green with a cream stripe all the way around the hull. And then they placed it on the workbench in the shed and they just looked at it and admired what they'd created and then one day the granddad when the weather got warmer he said come on then it's time and they took the boat out and they took it to the local boating lake in the park people sailed their boats and as they were walking through the park people were looking at them and and they were getting many admiring glances and as they took it and they put it on the water, even a little began to go around to look at the beautiful thing they created. And the granddad gently pushed it onto the water. And a gentle gust took it and filled its sails. And it sailed across the boating lake so beautifully. But then something terrible happened. As it got to the other side, some other kids who they didn't know They ran up to the boat, they picked it up out of the water and they ran off with it and it was gone before anyone could do anything about it. You can imagine that granddad and the grandson, they walked home both with a tear in their eye. And the next day it was time to go back to school and the little boy didn't want to go. But you know what mums are like? It's not always chocolates and flowers, is it? Come on, get to school. So off he went with a heavy heart. Didn't really talk to anyone that day. And walked home on his own instead of walking home with his mates. And he walked past the local second-hand shop. And he looked, and there in the window was his boat. And he couldn't believe it. It's the boat. So he went in. And he said to the man who owned the shop, that's my boat. My granddad and I made it. And he told the shopkeeper all about how he made the boat. And the shopkeeper looked at him and said, that's a really interesting story. But do you know what that boat is? That boat is in my window. And if you want it, it'll cost you 20 quid. The little boy went home. And on the way home, he made a momentous decision. He decided he was going to collect all his money together, call in all his favours from his family and friends. And he gathered everything he had, and he got his 20 quid together, and he went back to the shop. And he bought the boat that he had made. You could imagine his excitement when he went back to his granddad's, can't you? That next weekend. <laughs> Granddad! Come to the shed. Come and see what's in the shed. Oh, I don't want to go in the shed. I'm still fed up. No, come on. They go into the shed. And of course, there's the boat. There's the boat. The granddad's so excited. He said, come on, let's have another go. They go back to the boating lake. But this time, you can be sure they tied a bit of fishing line to the end. (laughs) So if there's a problem, they could pull it back in really quickly. You see, you belong to the Lord Jesus because even though you are his creation and that would be a good enough reason for you to dedicate your life to following him, you also belong to him because he bought you back. Even though you are his, he bought you back. That's what Christians celebrate when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Crucifixion 
was a, a, an horrendous uh, capital punishment. It was deliberately designed to be slow and painful and public as a deterrent to anybody else who might choose to break Roman law. Horrendous as it was, Jesus' crucifixion was not unique in the sense that the Romans crucified hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people. So why do we remember this one crucifixion? Well, it is not particularly because of what happened there. It's because of the person to whom it happened. It's because it happened to the creator of the universe. Who became a human being with the express intention of going to that cross so that he could buy back what he had created. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, a most amazing thing happened because he spoke to his father and his father did not reply. Even though he used the most intimate language that God's people knew to speak to God, he spoke The Bible says he cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And God did not reply. Because the price that he paid to win back that which he had created was that he would be abandoned by his father. But if I may be so bold, I would like to suggest an answer to that question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer might be a long list of names. And Anwin's name will be on that list. And my name will be on that list. And your name would be on that list. God became a man known as Jesus of Nazareth to buy back that which he had created. And there can be no other response than to fall down on your knees and to say, you are my master and my God. And it, it, it is my responsibility, my duty this morning to ask you that question. Will you follow Jesus of Nazareth? Will you commit yourself to a lifetime of disappointment, frustration, sacrifice, hardship, being faced with challenges which are way beyond your capacity to fulfill will you do the right thing now I'm going to ask you to decide this morning yes or no
But before I do that, I want to bring you the greatest PS in the history, the entirety of the universe. And the greatest PS is this. That when you do the right thing, what you find is that what motivated Jesus of Nazareth to go to the cross and die for you was a never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love. And if you follow Christ, you will be disappointed with yourself. I promise you that. But that disappointment will dissolve in the joy, the pleasure, the pride, the contentment, the indescribable love of Christ. I am sure that Anna's parents love her. I'm sure they love her more than life. But even that love, even that love, is overwhelmed by the love of Christ. We should follow Christ because it is the right thing to do. But when you do the right thing, you will find a life beyond your imagining. So before I ask you to respond to this question, I would guess people say, well, what does that look like? What does that, look, what does that actually mean to follow Christ? Well, it's Mother's Day, isn't it? So let's ask a mother. Let's ask the mother of our Lord Jesus. Mary was an unmarried teenager when an angel appeared to her and said to her, you are going to give birth to a man, to a child who is God. Huh. Wow. What was her response to that? It was so simple. She couldn't possibly know what that would involve, could she? She couldn't possibly know. What did she do? She said, oh yeah, that happened to a mate of mine, yeah. There is no frame of reference in human history to respond to what she had just heard. She could not possibly know what that would mean for the rest of her life. But she simply said, let it be to me according to your will. You cannot possibly know what it would mean for your life to follow Jesus of Nazareth. And neither can I. We cannot possibly know. But we can still say, let it be to me according to your will.
whatever you choose for my life, I will go with that. Maybe 30 years later, after Jesus had grown up in obscurity, it became clear his cousin had announced to the world that here was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And it became clear that Jesus was about to begin his time of preaching and teaching to the world about what he had come to do. But just as that was about to happen, Jesus and Mary and all their family were invited to a huge family wedding. And they all went along. Two daughters? You got, have you got two daughters? Yeah, better get saving, son. <laughs> a wedding is not a cheap deal anymore. Okay, there'll be men, women here with grown-up children who know how much it costs to, to, to have a wedding. So you will really appreciate this. A wedding in Jesus' society would quite commonly last three days. The family of the bride would be responsible for all the hospitality, all the food, all the refreshments. But not only that, they would be responsible for all the accommodation. And not only that, they would be responsible for all the travel. And not only that, they would even be responsible for the guests' outfits. Oh, yeah, no wonder you're raising your eyebrows. (laughs) Imagine that, all you who have daughters. Well, anyway, they go to the wedding. The wedding seems to be having a great success, but then something disastrous happens. They run out of wine, and Mary is a member of the family. You know, the auntie that you can always rely on. You know, the one who will always come to the rescue. She realizes that the family's got a crisis, and so she goes to, she goes to, to Jesus, and she says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says to her, um, look, you know it's not, it's not quite time yet. But because it's you, send me the servants. And Mary goes off and she gathers the servants together and she just tells them this. She says, do whatever he tells you. Now what he tells them to do is just bizarre and makes no sense but they do it and they have wine do whatever he tells you if you can say to Jesus let it be to me according to your will and if you can say each day of your life Lord I am ready to do what you tell me. Then you are ready to follow Jesus. You don't have to understand it all. You never understand it all. But are you ready to do the right thing? 
Let's pray. Father, you know that no person can choose for another to follow your son. And you know that what is involved for each person to follow you is different and unique. We thank you that we have even the opportunity to choose to follow Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us in order that that opportunity could be ours. There may be people here and you are having a a conversation to which nobody else is party, but you are thinking now about the decision to follow Jesus. And For you, I think it is time to make your decision. And if you have chosen to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to do something publicly. That's not an easy thing to do. But then, from what we've thought about this morning, we know that following Jesus will not always be easy. And so, if this morning you need to say to Jesus of Nazareth, I am ready to follow you, let it be to me according to your will. I am ready to do whatever you tell me to do. Then if you are ready to say that this morning, I'm going to wait for one minute and I want you during that minute to stand up. You don't have to wait until the end of the minute. You can stand up as soon as it starts. But if this is your moment to say, yes, I choose to follow Jesus, I would ask you to stand up now.